Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. Hello and welcome to this episode of Hiraith. Uh, I'm Richard Martin, sitting in for Matthew Hexter while he recovers from a, well, while he says he has the flu, but he's recovering in truth from a stag do over in Dublin over the weekend. And joining me is Kerry Davis. Hey, Kerry. Evening, Rich. Joining us this evening as part of our local government series to explore the wider issues of leading, reforming and making the difficult decisions in local government in Wales is the legendary Jeff Jones of Old Parish. In a long political career, Jeff uh, was a Labour politician who became the council leader of Bridgend County Borough Council, chair of the WJC and education lead for the WLGA. He is known uh, as an outspoken political commentator and since retirement has worked as a local government consultant and now fully retired is even more outspoken on Twitter. Hello, Jeff. Hello there. Very nice to have you with us this evening. So Kerry, I believe you're going to start us off. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. And as Rich said, this is part of our local government series. And what we're looking at at the moment is really the the reform agenda. We hosted Steve Thomas, uh, ex-chief exec of the WLGA recently, and looking through that local government perspective through the lens of uh, one of the senior officials. And tonight we're hoping to do a similar kind of format, but from the lens of uh, a long-established, dies-in-the-wool elected representative, particularly one who had such experience across the wider civic body with the WLGA and the WJC. I think you might have been in the mix with local government reform the last time it happened. Is there a chance you can set some of the scene for what happened back then and uh, where you think we are now. Yeah, sure. I think one of the things that people want to realise is that when local government was really set up in the 19th century, it lasted 70 years. Then along comes the Tories in the 1970s to reform it, and they set up the uh, eight counties and the the so-called district councils. And then in the 1990s, when I was there, I was a county councillor, they decided to reform that by creating unitary authorities. But the only trouble is, is that their motives were nothing to do with local government. It was basically to destroy the counties. And they came up with 21 authorities originally in the bill, if you look at it. And in the passage of the bill, Hunt said to Ron Davis, Are you can have one more if you want to. And the Labour Authority, hence the creation of Merthyr and Blyner Gwent. No concern whatsoever for delivery of services, financial viability, etc. The result is you have 22 authorities, all with the same powers, all with different sizes, some struggling, some in the middle like Bridgend always was, some very big like Cardiff and Ronda Cunning Taff, but it, it hasn't worked. And it's one of the reasons why I gave up in 2004 was because it wasn't working and I wanted to try something different. In terms of reform, that's very, very difficult for a number of reasons. One of the reasons is is that they set up these regional bodies, but they're not accountable. They're not democratically accountable. But if they became democratically accountable, let's say, for example, like Manchester with an elected mayor, Andy Burnham, then you have a problem of would it detract from the Senate? Would this person basically build up a very big power base in, for argument's sake, southeast Wales? I think people realise they need reform, but I think Steve would, would agree with me that needs a lot of money as well, and the money isn't there. So what are they doing? Is that they're doing it by the back door, by these so-called regional committees, which are going to have certain powers, etc., and be indirectly elected, a bit like the Cardiff City Region with its 10 leaders who are, OK, elected by their groups and elected as leader of their council, but I'm a council taxpayer in Progen, 
I can't get rid of the, the Honourable Jen. If I was in Manchester, I didn't like Andy Burnham. At least I have the satisfaction of being able to vote against him in an election. OK, they'll achieve some things. But, you know, you take only this week, they bought Aberthaw Power Station. £36 million worth of public money. No accountability, no scrutiny, just spent it like that. It might work, but what if it doesn't? You can't call that democracy. But as I said, I don't think the Senate will move. Neither will the political parties, because at the end of the day, who are the activists for all the political parties? It tends to be your local councillor. So it's a catch-22. You mentioned the kind of long arc of local government there, Jeff. I mean, why is it that you think that the post-72 settlement of local government and then the post-96 one haven't worked in a way that you thought the pre-72 long-standing model did? And is there any way that the existing structures of local government could be made to work? Pre-72, ironically, the Victorians looked to local government in a non-political way. What could it achieve? They wanted to achieve certain things. They wanted better public health. They wanted this, that and the other. And, and as they wanted certain things like education, they delegated it to local government. And then throughout that period then, of course, you had the development of the welfare state and local government was the agency for the welfare state. So if you look at budgets, okay, the, the interwar period, the 20s and 30s were difficult. But even in the 20s and 30s, local government did fantastic things in terms of housing. They built loads of council houses. And then after 45, virtually every year, local government settlement was more money, even under the Tories in the 50s, more money to buy more, to build more council houses, to spend more money on education, to do X, Y and Z. And in the process, people don't remember this, is that Glamorgan County Council, a huge council with some very big political figures in it, they actually built up a pot of about £90 million. The idea was that they would actually self-finance their capital projects. And by 1972, it was ready to go. And that was all then used by the successor authorities to cover cuts by Thatcher. De Morgan used it, etc. Mick De Morgan Labour groups are always quite funny. Every year, we were going to make horrendous cuts. And then all of a sudden, people would say, oh, I move, we pull out the balances. You can't do that today so much. I mean, to give you a classic example, people don't know this. Llan Braddock Bypass cost about three, four million quid. Middle Morgan made a mistake. It was going to be built with European money. They hadn't put the blooming advert in the European journal. So the European money didn't come along. We had a, a special executive of the Labour Group. I'm outside. We just done the, the budget with the, the treasurer uh, and I were talking and I said, oh, it's going to be difficult. And he just turns to me and he says, don't worry, Jeff. We knew it was dodgy. So we kept three million back. <laughs> The good old days. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if we need a, a, a legal view on this uh, during the edit, Rich. Um, well, I don't know, but I am very curious about the Glamorgan Sovereign Wealth Fund. I mean, enough of Norway's Sovereign Wealth Fund. I didn't realise there was one for Glamorgan. You know, every, when they're having so much money that every year they, they held money back. This is how it used to work. It, it's, look, I was only appointed a candidate in 1981 because the seat was held by quite a famous Liberal, Jenny Gibbs. She'd won in 1977 by 800 votes. In 1979, she won the district seat with 4,000 votes. Only, there were only something like 4,200 electors. She, it was the same day as the general election. So they, they allowed me to be selected so that nobody, they didn't think they'd beat her, I'd beat her, right? But for various reasons, I did beat her. 
this was a Thursday. On the Saturday, I got up to go to County Hall in Cardiff on the first group meeting. I could do bang, clatter, whatever in my street, and a shed being put up. They were doing all the pavement in my street. Nobody had even complained about it. Then four weeks later, on a private estate, a bloke said to me, I'm glad I voted for you, Jeff. I said, what do you mean? They've just tarmacad them the whole street, the whole street and the estate. I, I said, yes, the best thing you ever did. <laughs> <laughs> that was my reward. <laughs> That's how it used to operate. Well, we're going to come. We're going to come on to a little bit of what uh, Steve called the pork barrel politics uh, thing, Jeff, and I'm sure you've got some anecdotes on that. But I, ju I just want to try and get your view on that local government because um, you know we went into it in some detail with Steve, who you know s since your retirement in '04, there's been various reviews. The Williams Commission, uh, Steve has written paper. The WLGA looks at it. You know. That's right. I'm sure you have looked at all those kind of suggested approaches. Does anything resonate with you on what we go forward? So I was taken by when you said something very similar to Steve and something I very believe in. It's it's around, you know, you have your service delivery and then you plan back from that. Like, what, what would you be doing to look um, at reform in Welsh local government? The first thing I, I, I would do, Kerry, is to say, what do you want local government to do? Nobody's ever done that which the, the Victorians did ask that question. And they, the answer they came up with was local government. Nobody's done that. So should education, for argument's sake, be run by local government? Should transport be run by local government? Housing. Now, if you say yes, we wanted to run that, then you sort of say, right, what size authority could deliver a good transport system? And then you come on to how many councillors do you need to make it accountable and democratic? How, how should they be elected? First past the post, single transferable vote, etc. Should you have a directly elected mayor stroke leader? Then you sort of say, right, how are we going to finance this? As it stands, we haven't got local government in Wales. In most of Britain, what we've got is local administration. The bulk of the money from Bridgend comes from the Welsh government. The Welsh government decides the local government settlement on the basis of a formula. Same in England, it's a formula. Now, when people say, oh, it's an objective formula. Look, Westminster Council had loads of money because the Tories put into the formula number of hotels, rooms. It didn't help uh, Cumbria, but it helped Westminster. And it's the same in Wales. I mean, when they reformed the last time, I was in Clandridnod, and out comes Peter Law with a formula. And standing next to me was a civil servant who just said to me, God, she said, that's a surprise. I never expected that. But it's all stuff like population, scarcity, et cetera, et cetera. The business rate. In Mid Glamorgan, we controlled the business rate. We could decide what it was. I mean, you go to the centre of Cardiff, look at Glamorgan County Hall, look at Cardiff City Hall, and you think, crikey, how did they build those? Because every tonne of coal that came up from the valleys, some of it went to Glamorgan County Council in terms of business rate. Every tonne of coal exported from Cardiff docks, some of it went to Cardiff City Council. So you've got these magnificent buildings. Thatcher nationalised the business rate. So when people look at Cardiff and they think, they're rolling in it, look at all these offices, etc. Cardiff doesn't get anything from that. That all goes into a central pot to be redistributed to the 22. We didn't get anything in Bridgend for Ford. Before they nationalised the business rate, the Talbot District Council was laughing its head off. It had the steelworks. 
it didn't need to charge huge rates to people. I mean, and if you look at it like that now, uh, council tax makes up very little of what a council spends, and yet for many people, it can be the biggest bill they actually pay until the present crisis, bigger than the utility bill. And ironically, to come back again out of pay, people forget this, the poll tax. Oh, what a disgusting tax. What did I pay in the poll tax era? Two adults, 40 quid a year. What did people pay in the, in the garo? Nothing, zero. And then along comes the council tax. William Hague nearly has a fit because when he saw what the uh, council tax was, we had a dumping scheme and all this sort of stuff. And even with the council tax, it doesn't work. I think that's one of the issues Steve raised of reform about how they'd get that kind of um, balance between uh, local authorities that uh, merged or decided to work together. That would be one of the difficulties Steve outlined. But one of the things, Jeff, I've, I've looked at, you've spoken out on numerous times around local government uh, funding and reform of the funding. And I think you looked at the adult social care, for example. Is it is it all linked in back to that kind of, what you just alluded to about designing what we want the services to deliver are and then work backwards from that. Yeah, you know, if you take uh, adult social care, children's services, as it stands at the moment, you, you okay, you get money from Welsh Government settlement, but you are responsible for a child or an adult because they just happen to be in your authority. You know, it's one of the criticisms you sometimes see on social media about in North Wales, the cost of geriatrica, about people coming from England, fit when they arrive, and then things happen, and then they become a burden on the local social services. Uh, the director of social services used to say to me that one crisis in a family could knock his budget completely out. You know, a family could be A-OK, and then for whatever reason, illness, social issues, etc., we are responsible. One Friday, four children arrived in our social services headquarters and with the police, and we had to house them, literally, ASAP. And that's when people say, why are you using private sector, etc.? The private sector says it's X amount. What do you do? You, you can't not allow the, the child to be looked after. You know, it, it's a very, very difficult thing. It's the same with, uh, with adults. Once you assess an adult's needs, then they have to be fulfilled. And it, to give you another example, and I, I know this is going to be quite personal, my mother was bipolar. Uh, I was born in September 1950. By October 1950, my mother was in, although we lived in my state, my mother was in Whitchurch section. For the first six months of my life, my grandmother brought me up. No help from anybody, no social services, they didn't exist. You know, and that's what it used to be like. People forget how services developed, as I said. Up to the 1970s, no problem. Every year, money, money, money. From the election of Thatcher, even under the Labour government, and I'll give you a classic example of this, first year of Blair's government. I go up to London for the local government settlement, meet the Welsh Minister for Local Government, who's the pretend MP, lovely guy, Wynne Griffiths, great man. As I'm walking in, Wynne says to me, great settlement for Jeff. Jeff for Bridgend. I just burst out laughing. I said, what do you mean? I said, it's a 10% cut in services and a 10% increase on the council tax. The civil servants had misled him. And that's what we had. And that was under Blair. The, the settlements were better than under the Tories. First year of, of the new local authority. 
I spent a million pounds in the first year to stop teachers being made redundant. I've sent, looking back now, I sometimes think in Middle Morgan and then we stopped service cuts by using reserves and whatever. Did we do the wrong thing? You know, perhaps we should have highlighted the heartache, and the, 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 the angst. I mean, those men in Middle Morgan, they suspend, they should look really worried, you know, budget meetings were terrible and, and, and whatever. And yet we then pulled it out of balances. People outside, did, we, we were still criticised. Perhaps we should have said, right, cut the education budget, pass it on, teachers being made redundant, et cetera, et cetera. It might have brought it to people's attention. Mm. It's not easy. The present time explains that. This year's settlement has been one of the best ever. And all the local authorities have reduced their council tax increase, sometimes to nothing, have spent money. It's an election year as well. COVID has allowed them to build up reserves because they're not spending money, and so it looks great. Then all of a sudden, you have what happens in the Ukraine. I reckon in the next four or five years, people will be looking back on 22, 23 and saying, crikey, remember that good year? And yet nobody's prepared for what's going to come. So, uh, I mean, Jeff, you've, you, you have a, decades of experience dealing with local government now. So if the Welsh Government called you up and said, Jeff, uh, we'd like you to give us some advice. What advice would you give them? What, was, what would the future of local government in Wales look like if Jeff Jones was the one making if, the if it was, design? If it was me, and at the last reform, some of the counties are moving slightly towards this. I would create re- sub-regional authorities if you were interested in governance. Those sub-regional authorities, the, the Assembly could, de- the, the Senate could decide what services are provided, but, you know, for argument's sake, the Cardiff City Region. And in those authorities, I'd have an elected mayor, stroke leader, or whatever, who would appoint his or her cabinet. I would have full-time councillors who would be elected by single transferable vote. So there'd be direct accountability. And if you didn't like the guy or girl who's running the show, you'd get rid of them. Number in Wales, four or five. Four or five. Underneath them, we in Wales are community-based. Pretend makes no difference to anybody in my state. Most people in my state couldn't name the leader of Pretend County Borough Council until the recent scandal in Cairo. Most people in Merthyr haven't got a clue who the leader is. And it can go right through all 22. You know, it's, it's the jackpot quiz question for Christmas, which will never be won. What people do are concerned about is my stake. And my stake is a town council. And I would use the town and community councils, but it'd have to be reformed there as well. And they would be given certain services like local planning, local welfare, et cetera. A bit like the old district districts were. You know, so they would run the playing field. So what's happening at the moment because of cutbacks, this so-called community asset transfer, they transfer into the clubs. Okay, you might have people in some clubs who have got interest and, and will do it. In others, you haven't got anybody and they're being hammered by the threat of increased charges for the playing field. Why not get the community council to run it? Why not get the community council to be responsible for planning small housing developments, for the environment of the town? You go to France and you go through a a, a a small town or a village, who's responsible? It's the mayor. You go to La Rochelle, you know, we talk about the environment. You go to La Rochelle, they've had free bikes for years. They've even got free electric cars. Not because the French government said it, but because they elected a mayor who wanted to do it and had local taxation. 
It's the same with transport. We get, we get this daft issue about who pays for transport. In France, they've had a tax on businesses. So if you go to the Ile de Paris, it's the businesses in the Ile de Paris and commuters who pay for it. So why, why not get the Cardiff Southeast region to run the South Wales Metro? It's nothing to do with Wales. It's, you know, I, it's not even the South Wales Metro. It's a tough Wales Metro, isn't it? Let's be, let's be frank about it. In my state, this wonderful new, uh, all God's wonderful railway, we get one train an hour. You know, it's, it's the three valleys that go down to Cardiff. It's commuter. Why not get the politician directly by those commuters to run it? So mm. if they think the train is crap, they get rid of the guy who's or girl who's responsible for the crap train. Yeah. And it's the same, exactly the same, Friday night, international night. Cardiff has got to pick up all the rubbish after that. I would charge the Welsh Rugby Union for the privilege of playing in Cardiff. I would have a tax on beer. I would have a hotel tax. You know, you, if you went to Rome, you're paying all these things, you don't even notice it. And it, it would allow as well, go back to the environment. Why not have Cardiff to decide, a bit like London, congestion charge? So put in, in the manifesto, if we're elected, then everybody entering the city of Cardiff in a car will pay money for that privilege. Now, motorists might moan and groan, but if that's voted for, that's it. It's called democracy. We've got none of that. All we've got is this, you know, your council tax, whatever the Welsh government uh, settlement is. And I can guarantee, because of the Russian-Ukraine war, the settlement next year and the year after, etc., will not be very good. One of the, the problems that we have in Wales, and we're sort of recreating in many ways the UK state, is the kind of tendency to centralise an awful lot of the decision making um, in the southeast corner of the country in a in a yeah. parliament. And what you're describing there is is not entirely dissimilar from the paper that we talked about with Steve about you know, having large combined authorities in Wales, maybe four or five, and then using the, you know, a, a devolution of the ability to raise local taxation to deal, maybe bring the transport consortia into the regional body, health into the regional body, so that it has some kind of democratic foundation. But the, you, you mentioned earlier, the big problem that we have here in Wales is that there is a very, very strong political disincentive for the, for the governing party to ever do anything that changes the council structure because it has an army of councillors that will and, and all those come out for it. as well don't forget richard what people forget is all those councillors pay money to their political party so it's a percentage when people say well Craigie is getting fourteen thousand pounds for being a councillor or she's getting fourteen thousand pounds they're not because the percentage of that goes straight to the Labour party mm. or straight to play camry or whatever straight to the tories if you don't do that then you can't become a candidate so there's an incentive then, not just to win control, but to have as many councillors as possible. Mm. The other thing is, is that politics has always been a minority game. It's even more a minority game now than it's ever been. Have a look at Twitter. I keep saying to journalist friends of mine, when they go, look, oh, look at this party, whatever. I say, look at Twitter, look at the photos. I know who these people are. There are very few ordinary members <laughs> in the cities, you get a lot of students in Cardiff, etc. You know, Kerry sometimes says, oh, look at the Labour machine. You know, how many of those people are students just there for three years? How many are councillors? How many are cabinet members? You know, I can give you what it used to be like. 
I became a member of the Ogmore GMC when I came back to Wales in 1978. We used to meet on a Saturday in the afternoon. Number of delegates, forget about members, number of delegates, 120 on a Saturday afternoon. Right? My branch, even five years ago, had 148 members. The branch I joined, which is uh, my stick east, uh, every meeting we'd have 14 or 15. It was great, brilliant. It was, you know, everybody called each other comrade. You had all these old men and women who left school at 14, were bright as buttons, read everything. I can still remember uh, a guy saying to me, Jeff, have you got any books on monetarism? Which I did. I gave it to him. He read it and he came back. He said, seems the bloody 30s, man. They haven't changed anything. Right, you know, and, and you'd have uh, debates if you could speak, before, you know, Peter Hubbard Miles was, was a Tory MP and he once said to me, there are better speeches in Mid Morgan County Hall, Jeff, than in Parliament. He said, because you've only got five minutes and these characters really know how to speak. You know, and they were coal miners. They were the wives of coal miners. They were women who'd worked in, in the, the factories of Polykoffs of this world, etc. What you get today in politics is kill him, kill her, you know, stop her. You know, I mean, we used to, I used to love the old militant boys. I, I, I had to expel them. You know, one of the people I expelled was the chief executive of Cardiff City Council, local boy, Paul Orders, lovely guy, right? Fastest expulsion in the history of the Labour Party. I mean, I mean that. But, but you could debate with them. I used to get, I used to get them by asking, you know, this is say nationalize the top 200 monopolies. And I used to get up and say, right, name 199 and 200. They didn't know the elder side, didn't they? I'm going a bit off script now. But so do, do you think that kind of civic understanding, that civic engagement, which you're alluding to there, has changed? Has Have we lost that kind of interest in, in our civic society over the past 40, 40 so years? It isn't just civic understanding. You know, being a councillor is an important issue as a representative. And people expect you to have certain qualities. And it's the same thing in terms of, you know, contacting people and whatever. I, I see some good councillors around. You know, I see some good councillors on Twitter. I see some excellent councillors in the, in the city of Cardiff. Genuine people, local people, hold surgeries, walk the streets, talk to people, etc. All parties. And that's what it should be. Years ago, an old councillor said to me, Jeff, walk the ward. I still walk the ward. Still people stop me. So so you talked a little bit about two, two things there, Jeff, that I'd just kind of like to follow up on. One of which is, why do you think, when you were sketching out how you think that you know, subnational government in Wales. So we're talking, you know, regional government or local government should would work. You, you mentioned that there would be a mayor, and you also mentioned that you think councillors should be full time, professionalised. Yeah, small, um, small number of councillors. Smaller number of councillors. What What I'm curious about is what What difference do you think that would make to our councils? And also the kind of subsequent question, which is a kind of bigger question. One of the things that you know, slightly, I think, depressing things that Steve said to us when we spoke to Steve Thomas was that he doesn't see, see that there's any way that we get any significant improvement in government underneath the Senate level until such time as there's a change of leading party in the Senate because there's too much of a, an interest of the existing government to maintain the status quo. Do you think that that's the case? It isn't just the present government. 
It's also the opposition, because the opposition, Plight Cymru, is a Welsh nationalist party, and I think it fears that if you had regional government, it would detract from the concept of Wales. And so they are not that interested either. And that reflects, in some ways, a lack of confidence. You know, in America, you have 50 states. Nobody says, crikey, because we've got a government. And what you have? A government in Texas with a governor, head of state, with a Texas Congress, etc. That's a threat to the United States of America because they have confidence in the United States of America. It's the same in Germany. You have the lander. They don't only says we're going to get rid of the lander because that minister president could challenge the chancellor. What they say is that minister president should be chancellor. You know, if we had we had proper government here, it's somebody who's good at running a regional authority should be your next first minister. So you almost are asking there, you know, um, suggesting there that we should sort of have a federal Wales. Is that your kind of vision yeah, for the future? and have the confidence of a federal Wales, and it would help the Senate. You know, so if you're a Minister of Transport in the Senate, say, isn't this wonderful, the South Wales Metro? Look at all these new stations you're doing. How does somebody in Rill feel about that when they haven't got a bus at half past nine in the night? You know, but if you, if you sort of said, yes, we will give, we'll give money to the South East Wales Authority, like the French government does, to do improvements, etc. But it's up to them. It's up to them what the fares will be. They could subsidise the fares and they could do X, Y and Z. It's, it's a much more mature, accountable way of government. But people don't look at, like, at that, unfortunately, in British politics. It's short-termism. So what, what's it about? We win the assembly, you know, the Senate election. You take last year's the Senate election. I laugh my head off. Great triumph, right? Hang on, hang on. Yeah, in terms of numbers, the Labour Party won a number of seats. How many people voted for the Labour Party out of those on the register? Forget about those who are not on the register, which numbers thousands. 18%. And then you have Plaid coming along and saying, oh, we're not unhappy with it. Because the Home Rule Party, as if, as if Mark Drake put his John Redman. You know, so, you know, John Redman got elected, so it's still uh, Wales for the, the Home Rule Party. It's, it's fantasy land. It, I'm not being too political, but if you're implied, your enemy isn't Boris Johnson. He's a guy called Mark Drakeford, because he's stopping you going into government. But no, 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 it's very nice. We're, we're all Welsh together, etc. Haven't we done brilliantly on COVID? You know, our opposition party would be hammering people on, on stuff like that. Aren't we wonderful? It's it's fantasy stuff. It it's and it's immature fantasy stuff, which which Joe public get turned off by. And you say, well, how do they get turned off by? They don't vote. Yeah, Labour wins seats. You know, the the Ogmo is a classic to me. And it's not just the Ogmo, we'll go through the Ronda, etc. In 1992, Ray Powell, who was a pretty poor MP. 29,000 people voted for him. In 2019, Chris Elmore got just over 17,000. So those 12,000 Labour votes didn't just go into a cemetery in my state. They've stopped voting. And yet in 2016, for Brexit, a lot of them came out to vote again. You know, even though they were bound to vote to remain because they'd voted Labour all their lives. And the Labour Party under Calvin Jones said, you must remain. And like sheep, they'd vote remain. No, they didn't. They voted against him. And it is, you know, what is somebody walking on the street in my state? He wants simple things. He wants a decent job. He wants social services to be reasonable if he's not working. And when he's old, he wants a good environment around him, etc. 
And he's, he's, he's worried about his, the future of his, of his children and his grandchildren. So it's a decent education system. If I can jump in there, you know, we're obviously trying to focus on that local government side of things, but the, the whole issue about that civic engagement with society, I think you've, you know, talked about how it has changed. I think the figures you gave, I don't think anyone would argue that those who vote and have got an interest have changed. But you mentioned Brexit, and, you know, we, we could open a can of worms here, and we, we as a pod have got to go back on Brexit at some point. But do you think that was a symbol of how people have felt disengaged and disenfranchised and that's why we don't like to say it but that's why uh, Wales voted to to leave in the end it it was that kind of shout that we need to be listened to it was a classic example of people who had a gutsful of the system now whether they, they were right or wrong is irrelevant they felt the system wasn't delivering so if you, again if you come to a place like my stake between joining the common market and when we left my stake lost about 5,000 jobs. Multinationals like Revlon, Cooper Standard all went. The steelworks over the, the mountain was reduced from 14 to 4,000 odd people. Not, you, could say, you could argue nothing of that was to do with the EU, but that was the economic environment they saw. You know, come up to my stake now and have a look at the Revlon site. It's a bomb site. What does the Cardiff City Region propose to do with it? A park and ride and, a, and, and 150 houses. When I was young, it had Revlon, the old joke, London, Paris, New York, my stake. And it had Cooper Standards, which made all the rubber fittings for Rover, Jaguar, etc. It even had Louis Edwards, which made shirts for Marks and Spencers. You know, and you had three pits, a colliery washery, you had virtually full employment. All of that went. And I think a lot of people basically said to me, the EU isn't working. I used to say to them, it's really a crazy move. It isn't working. And they say, well, let's, let's try something else. And then when people say, look at all this money that was spent with Objective One or Convergence or whatever, they saw it being spent on things that didn't interest them or was a waste of money. You know, my state town hall is having eight the last score, 8 million quid of European money has been spent on tartening it up. Great for the hall. It gives it an extended life. It will do nothing for the economy of the valley. And then if you want to laugh at it, Kerry, the Welsh government, I don't know if you were part of the decision for this, decided to put a big sign up saying, Aweni Road Factories. It's a lovely, it, it's a, a, a unique sign, metal sign. It's still there. They put it up after the factories have been closed. People just looked at it and just said, what the hell is this? Are these people stupid? And, you know, it's just, it's, you know, do you take Kyra? Kyra, the top of the Slimby Valley on the deprivation index, it was number 11. And then they brought in community first. It moved up to number five. The joke in the valley was the way it's going, they'll be paying the European Cup of Poverty. You know, we took Angela Regal up there. Angela Regal said to me one day, have they spent any money up here, Jeff? I said, yes, millions. She just looked at me stupid. And that's the reaction of a lot of people. When, when somebody says, oh, they spent this amount of money in your area, what have they done with it? And then, of course, it's the, it's the word that nobody ever wants to mention because we in Wales, we are the land of sanctuary. We are this, that and the other, right? We are all left-wingers, we're all different. Immigration. 
as my beloved barber said to me, did you vote to remain, Jeff? I said, yes. Well, I voted to leave. I said, why? Immigration. I said, oh, why did you do that? I said, your wife is bloody timing. Oh, no, no, I know that. She's different. He, voted, he told me straight, immigration, his wife is Thai. And he also told me I was one of only three of his customers who'd voted to remain. The, all the Ford boys, many of them retired, okay. I said the Ford factory could go. Who cares, Jeff? If Ford wanted to go, whether we're in or out, it'll go. It was, it was a crazy, crazy decision. And also, it was a, a lazy way to remain, the assumption that because Carwin Jones had said, remain, all the sheep would say, yes, we remain. Even though every time he came up against Nigel Farage, Carwin was literally knocked around the ring five times. Useless. You, you were talking a little bit earlier about how some of those uh, European monies didn't make or didn't didn't make an impact that changed people's lives or changed the, the local uh, economies that they were invested in to a large extent. Have you had a chance to have a think about what the UK government's decisions to make uh, in terms of what they call levelling up funds might make? Um, and I have to say that we, we spoke about this with Steve, and apart from obviously the enormous benefits that investing in canals and waterways brings to, uh, to Wales, uh, national cultural uh, uh, economy, uh, as I'm sure Steve would like us to mention. I think the general feeling was that the, the levelling up fund is essentially going to remake the same mistakes as some of the European investment funds. Oh, exactly the same. Exactly the same. It's uh, a pot of money, and so you get people shout the loudest, and you look at the first tranche, so you get a gang of people who want to uh, turn this derelict building into a community hub, economic hub or whatever, they get the MP on their side, and if he's a Tory MP, even better. He talks to the minister and says, everybody's for it, etc. and they get a couple of million. They tart the place up. The business case is crap, and after a short time, uh, it's, still, it's, it's, it's running at a loss. You know, Regenda push in for the closure of the railway crossing in Pencord with, with, with they want eight million to build a bridge. It's nonsense. It's not going to do anything for the economy, even of Penn Court. Now, they'll say, why are people upset? Because they, they talk to the MP, oh, we're really upset. Because when, when the gates go down, they're held up in the car for a couple of minutes. They're not held up for two hours. You know, it's five, five minutes the most. But I, I guarantee you, the next tranche, they'll get eight million, and you'll see a bridge or a pedestrian bridge, and you'll see a new car bridge, etc. Will it do anything for the economy of Bridgend? None. If it was going to a, a, a potential employment site, which was landlocked, you might say, fair enough, it's not. Well, what you get then is, is the local MPs that are already doing it, particularly the Tories, look what I brought for the area. It's repeating the mistakes of the past. If you want to really level up, then what you look at is education, training, and infrastructure. Simple, but you know, to do that as well is a long-term project, and we live in a country where it's short-termism, where it's uh, getting elected. You know, once I'm elected, I'm look at me, I'm MP, whatever, leader of the council. It's uh, another four or five years where I'm going to worry how to earn a living, and that's what it's about. You know, I think a lot of what we've talked about tonight is it does need change, but you know, 
if there's not going to be, you know, what, what's in it for local government leaders to fundament, fundamentally change any kind of system that suits them? You know, is it going to be, do we need people to be elected who will be those who will vote for Christmas? Or is that just too um, utopian a view? Right. The thing is, if you look at uh, the electoral system, the assembly chickened out. The assembly said each local authority could decide its own electoral system. The result is 22 of them, whatever their politics, are not going to change from first past the post. If people in the Senate want to do anything, then they've got to do it because it's right. So if they want to change the electoral system in local government, they've got to do it. If they want directly elected leaders, they've got to do it. You can't rely on local government because it's human nature. If I'm the leader of Council X on £50,000 a year, then I'm not going to do anything that affects my £50,000. I might, because I'm a bit of an idiot, but most people won't. So, you know, you can't ask these people to put their livelihoods on the line. So if you've got people in the Assembly who want to reform things, they've got to do it. If you haven't, then just forget it, and we just muddle along. We won't achieve very much. We'll end up with things like spending £36 million on basically a big, large, derelict former industrial site in the Vehicle Morgan, which until you clear it, you don't know what you're going to do with. And it might work and it might not. But £36 million is a hell of a lot of money on a gamble. You know, I, I just look at it and just laugh. I mean, I shouldn't laugh because I'm paying part of that 36 million quid uh, with 150 odd pound a month. You know, and the person who insults my intelligence by telling me what it's going to do, I'm paying her wages. You know, and I object to that. When, when I see perform, politicians perform badly, I want the ability to show why I think they shouldn't be politicians anymore. I can't do that. The leader of South East Wales is the leader of Torvine. I don't know, he might be a nice guy, he might be a man of great ability. I didn't put him there. That's not democracy. You know, if I don't like uh, Andy Burnham, I can vote against him. And, and that's a big, big difference. And you look at Burnham, he's a classic. He holds uh, question and answer sessions. He does this, that, and the other. You know, he's, he's open, he's honest, etc. And the other point as well is you need somebody to speak for you. You know, it, it was interesting that, go back to Abathor, the person who spoke was the officer. Now, if that had been Manchester, the person who spoke would have been Andy Burnham. It's on me. If that had been London, it would have been Sadiq Khan, Ken Livingston, Boris Johnson. It's a big, big difference. You know, who speaks for us? None of the, those people can speak for anybody because nobody elected them. It's a simple thing. It goes right back, you know, to the beginnings of democracy. You elect someone, they can speak for you. Give them a mandate. You can say, what are they, what are they standing for? You know, you don't elect them. What can they do? And, they, and also with that mandate, they can talk to people. Burnham can go to people in London and say, I speak for Manchester. Sadiq Khan says, I, I speak for London. Who speaks for South East Wales? Who speaks for North West Wales? Who speaks for Mid Wales? Nobody. You know, and don't talk to me about uh, they, they've got members of the Senate, etc. It's not the same thing. Who speaks for no the North East, you know, for Connors Key and whatever? 
Nobody. You know, there should be someone, an individual, and you might get someone who's completely, that's the other thing they're frightened of, you might get someone who's completely non-political. You might even get, you know, when they look at Zelensky and they actually say, what a great guy, what a politician. He's not a politician. He's a guy who wanted to change the Ukraine. He's an actor. He acted a politician and he became one. You know, why not? People are on about Michael Sheen. You know, what if Michael Sheen came back to Wales to live and said, I want to stand, I want to represent. Well, join the political party, Michael. No, no, I just want to, I, I've got ideas, right? What's wrong with that? Now, fairly radical, some people might say. Instead of that, you've got what? Can you name the leader of Nathan Talbot? I don't even know who he or she is. It's just, it doesn't work. It's not good for Wales. It's not good for local government and it's not good for democracy. It needs to change. It needs to change radically. Well, 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 with that ringing endorsement about what a total disaster local government is and local government elections are in Wales, um, we have some local government elections <laughs> coming in a few months' time. Uh, how... <laughs> How do you think that things will go over the course of those elections, Jeff? And, and what, if anything, do you think might change as a result of them? I think uh, one of the things that strikes me is, is how difficult people are getting uh, finding to get candidates. So if you want to stand, you, your chances are you'll be the candidate for the political party you're a member of. For Plaid, for example, how can they be the party of Wales if they haven't got candidates in every council seat in Wales? You know, there are three... Welsh Nationalist Parties, Plaid, Propel, Guard. Somebody should be standing in my stick. I doubt if we'll have one. You know, as simple as that. Then you've got the issue about, will it be about local government? It was going to be about, uh, vote for me because I'm not Boris Johnson. That's what it normally is. So, you know, people push leaflets to the door and people say, oh, I don't want him on my vote, love. I'm Labour. I'm Tory. I'm Plaid. You can count on me, right? And then when you get this well, the turnouts are fairly low. So you bring out your core vote, you've got a chance of winning. And people just think, you know, I shouted at a guy one day in the Labour Party, he was pushing leaflets to the door. I said, go on, knock the door, talk to them, find out what they think. He was the councillor. He looked at me, he was totally embarrassed. But that's what I used to do, and knock the bloody door. You know, they call me everything under the sun, but that's how you find out about things, you win people over. I thought that it would be still be against Boris and, and whatever. But what happened last week could change all that, could definitely change all that. The next four or five years, because of what happened last week, could be very, very difficult indeed. Very, very difficult. And, you know, a lot of people will be elected for the first time and genuinely perhaps want to, might want to do things, will find that they can't do it because of, of uh, Putin. Simple as that. It's just, you know, at the end of the day, if Sunak has no money, for the Welsh government, the Welsh government has no money for local government, and this year has been great. But will next year, the year after, etc. We're in uncertain times, and who knows? Well, uh, Jeff, it's been uh, <laughs> if I can borrow a, a word from the intro, it's been a colourful discussion. I'm really grateful for your time. If by some chance there's somebody who's involved in Welsh politics that isn't following you on Twitter, where can they find you? Oh, correctly, it's Jeff. Jeff Jones, old parish, and then some number. Yes, at, at Jeffrey62093861. Yeah, right. You're doing your best job at impersonating a Russian bot there. That's, uh, that's excellent. Yes, <laughs> I, 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 
all, all I can say is, uh, Jeff, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for your time. Same here. Bye, you know. And if you've enjoyed this conversation on Hiraith and you would like to hear more from the pod, you can find us at HiraithPod on both Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn. Or you can visit our website at www.walespolitics.com. Thanks once again to Jeff for his time. And if you're enjoying the pod, please like and subscribe in your podcast app of choice. Thank you for listening to Hiraith. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.